0: This is the Hope for the Hood podcast, brought to you by Prodigal Sons Incorporated. I'm Brian, and here with me today is Danny. How's it going, people? Anthony. Hi. And Jeremy. Hey, what's up? We, uh, we're thrilled that you've joined us, and today we're going to be talking about, well, really, we're going to be getting to know the stories of Anthony and Jeremy. Um, these guys are good friends of ours from church. Uh, also, one of them is the brother of someone else here. Right? Hmm. I wonder if they gonna be able to see that on, on this mm. podcast. Probably That's probably why not. we need to start the video podcast. Yeah. But yes, Jeremy
1: is my brother. So in actually Christ. everybody everybody's my brother in Christ, yes. But Jeremy is my brother. I actual was about to say, brother. I was like,
2: yeah, yeah. 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 What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are yeah. blood
1: bro- or me and Jeremy are blood brothers, but we're all brothers in Christ.
0: So um we're not just here to to chit-chat. Um really we wanted to invite Jeremy and Anthony here because uh, just in how God has kind of designed their lives, they have a unique perspective as people who have a unique proximity to gangs in their life. Um, while neither of them personally were involved in a gang, uh, we've invited them here to just kind of talk about their story from the angle of growing up around um, the gang culture. And so we hope that this podcast uh, episode can be really helpful for you as you think about um, that, the reality of proximity and uh, really just what God wants to do in all of us. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Just to kind of get it going
1: here and get the conversation on. Get it rolling. Get it rolling. Um, Just kind of maybe let people know who you are, a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe where you grew up, uh, what you currently do and where you're at.
3: I'm Jeremy. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, specifically in the Westchester area, but also spent a lot of time in the Venice and Santa Monica area. Uh, That's where my grandma lived, and that's where my church was. Um, And uh, yeah, so I moved to the East Coast for several years as an adult, but I've been back in Los Angeles for about eight years. And I have a lovely wife and a foster daughter, and I also work at the church um, at Cornerstone West LA. I am the director of family ministries, sorry, director of kids ministries. And um, yeah, and so I'm happy to join you guys today and just chat it up with you guys.
2: Yeah. Sweet. And I'm Anthony Solana. Um, I actually grew up in the opposite side of town in East LA. And for those of you that know Los Angeles, well, it's interesting, uh, East L.A. has been kind of redefined mm-hmm. uh, in the past couple of decades. But mm-hmm. uh, back in the 90s, East L.A. was considered basically anything east of the river, yeah. of the L.A. River. Mm-hmm. And in particular, bo- there's Boyle Heights and unincorporated East L.A. So I grew up in unincorporated East L.A. Mm. Uh, at a time, and we'll dis- we'll discuss it, where it really was a hotbed of activity mm. um, out there. Uh, but as I'll discuss, I've been incredibly blessed and uh Did not get involved at all, but uh, after that, have primarily lived in Los Angeles the entire time, except for the time when I went to college up in the Bay Area, and uh, uh, married with two young boys, and have a very charmed
0: life, relatively speaking. Hmm. Sweet. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Yeah. so you started to share a little bit about L.A. Mm -hmm. um, back in, what, like the 80s and 90s, and both of you guys were were here during that time, and I mean, I've kind of heard stories of like, oh, LA was crazy. Um, but you guys were here. So maybe I'd love to hear maybe Anthony from you first, just what was it like um broadly in the city and particularly with the gang? Yeah. Yeah, I all mean all of that.
2: If you look at Los Angeles and its founding, um, and in particular, fast forward to that time, uh, you've always had some type of gang activity in Los Angeles. Um, I mean, literally the, one of the oldest gangs was founded whenever they had a founding date back in like the 30s, mm-hmm. um, and you, you know, as as you may know, there's, you know, things that have caught national news, like the Zoot Suit Riots, yeah. which you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of debate as to who actually initiated that riot and all that. Yeah, but in particular, there was this, frankly, quite unfortunate set of circumstances where you have segregation that concentrates poverty and people into a certain area coupled with a significant recession in the mm-hmm. early 90s, massive unemployment, lack of social services, disinvestment in mental health. The schools are in essence gladiator academies by that point. Mm-hmm. And what had already existed at that time just completely exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, I pre- my formative years were the early 90s, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and it was incredibly violent. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's been a lot of news lately about how it's gone up precipitously, yeah, but it I think it still pales in comparison to how bad yeah. it was at that point i mean mm-hmm. it was it was dangerous you needed to be very careful even where you went because uh you know we'll get into it. A big fear for me uh was to be misidentified, and mm-hmm. that in fact did occur mm-hmm. um and probably one of the most dangerous episodes I had in my life was when I got misidentified my my friends and I wow. uh, when we were in high school um. And, uh, so yeah, I would say a lot of fear, um, mm-hmm. and incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, being older and being in my forties, um, looking back, I attribute a lot of what occurred to socioeconomic factors and obviously we all make decisions and we have to face the consequences, Yeah. but I have a lot of compassion for, um, uh, people that got caught up in that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't wanna say it wasn't their fault, but it was like the recipe was there yeah. for them to guess what, they, if they didn't have protective factors, or frankly, in my life, God blessing me with my father mm-hmm. who took care of me, wasn't perfect, Yeah, but I was his buddy, and, um, and I, I attribute a lot to that, and obviously God's protection mm-hmm. um, to frankly, keeping me out of that, because I was in the middle of it.
0: Wow, yeah. I, wanna, I wanna revisit the recipe later. Yeah, we're talking about that. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, what what about you? For just growing up in L.A., what was kind of the the vibe? Anthony talked about yeah, know, fear, I, danger. I throughout. think
3: um, I remember as a kid in the '80s, it got extremely violent um, with drugs being poured into the neighborhoods, and and a lot of the things that Anthony said. Um, and I think uh, in the '90s, which was when I was in high school. Um, I think through even, uh, it's odd. I think even socially, um, a lot of times to the outside world, that, that image and that lifestyle became sensationalized Mm -hmm. through, through entertainment and through, um, music and, uh, fashion, um, which also, you know, speaking of even the fashion, like, Talking about get getting misidentified. Like, you know, I I wasn't, by the Lord's grace, involved in gangs, but hey, I that was the fashion back then and you mm-hmm. wanted to dress like that. And there were several times that I was, you know, people came up on me and had guns pointed at me, like that that was just kind of like It's the risk that is run, but as a teenager, you're not really thinking about like that. You just want to be cool. And, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I think uh, going back to Anthony's points, just like the recipe for this culture that was bred in Los Angeles with socioeconomic issues, um, redlining uh, the, I mean, a history of police corruption um, Mm -hmm. throughout the city, but like. Um. yeah it, it was just the 90s I've, I like I think I was too young in the 80s to really grasp what the significance was and the magnitude of what was going on in our city but um, the 90s when I became a little bit more aware as a young adult it was like oh this is this is crazy and then obviously the riots happened in mm-hmm. in 92 and mm-hmm. it for all the wrong reasons, put LA on the map again in the public spotlight. And, um, and I just remember watching that, like not knowing, you know, I wasn't alive for the Watts, riot, So I was like, what is going on? Like, mm. this is kind of cool. Mm. Like as a teenager, like thinking like, oh, this is kind of cool. But at the same time, like I think deep down, I was probably fearful of like, is something going to happen to our city? Like, is it going to burn down? And um, yeah. And, and you know, Knowing people involved in in that lifestyle is just uh I think your perspective changes as you get older and you grow more mature and you and you you come to a better understanding of the difficulties that a lot of um, a lot of people caught up in that lifestyle face, and like the trauma that they face growing up and um yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, just to okay. give
2: you an example of how bad it got, um, and you can fact check me, but I believe I'm accurate on this. Uh, the military at the time would send mm-hmm. its physicians to general hospital and station there because it was the closest thing that they can emulate to battlefield surgery mm-hmm. and trauma surgery. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's only one of the few level one trauma uh, hospitals in the state. Mm-hmm. And they saw, you know, basically gunshot wounds that mm-hmm. were awful with, high caliber weapons um, closely only to what you see in in the field. Yeah. And I think that for me, evidences how bad it was in Los Angeles. I mean, in essence, it was open warfare in yeah. the streets. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and that also goes to the thing of like people in those communities, what they say with like experiencing PTSD, that's I think even magnified more than what war veterans suffer from with ptsd I've, I've heard some of those um stats as well and stuff and so yeah i just to kind of piggyback a little bit off of what you guys are sharing there um yeah i mean again growing up myself but like i remember just like so many little things that like i don't hear about as much anymore but like i remember and i don't know the context but like raider jackets don't wear raider jackets um watch where watch what colors you're wearing watch what Certain hat you're wearing, like these are no nos in these areas. If your pants are too big, your shirt's too big, you're kind of even if you don't involved in that, you're kind of in not involved. Well, yeah, kind of inviting like the question, like where are you from? You know, I remember even like, and I don't know who told me this. I don't know if, Jeremy, you would remember this too, but like I just remember like somebody saying at some point when I was a kid, like, oh, be careful what you do with your hands in the car. Like, don't don't do too many things with your fingers because it might get mistaken for um, a gang sign and if cars are driving by. Like, it's just, it was so, I guess maybe that wasn't literally happening every single time, but I think the reality of how violent and how crazy it was kind of just like, that was like almost like a ripple effect of, of that time frame and just all those like, don't wear this, don't wear that, don't go here, don't go there. Um, yeah, and I just, I remember that really being said to me at various times and various ways by a variety of people, so. um.
2: Yeah, and the context of that is the gangs are very territorial Mm -hmm. Um, and almost like the military wear insignia and kind of their own version of uniforms. Mm -hmm. And what didn't help any was that movie Colors that Mm -hmm. came out during that time, as those of you that may know. Um, So when you got hit up and where you're from, it wasn't like, oh, what neighborhood are you from? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, are you in and yeah. where are you from? Are you my enemy? Yeah. And even yeah. if you weren't in, yeah. your life was in danger. Yeah. I mean, that's the last question you wanted to get yeah. out in the street. Yeah. Um, My yeah. story, frankly, to your point about law enforcement, and let me get this straight. I, I have a lot, I actually work very closely with law enforcement mm-hmm. in my current position. So I don't want to cast a broad brush, but over police neighborhoods, over reaction, whatever you want to call it, the only time I got a gun pointed to my head was by LA County sheriffs mm-hmm. when we were in hell Week in football.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Unfortunately, being kids, uh, part of the initiation was to shave your head. Bad mistake, mm-hmm. oh, wow. <laughs> bad mistake. We went to go get lunch and my friend owned a Chevy Malibu quote, you know, kind of gang affiliated car, or at least, a you know, kind of looked like a lowrider, but it wasn't. And we got pulled over and literally the uh, sheriff, um, you know, to be a little bit compassionate to him, probably thought legitimately that we were gang members, you know, but my we were actually wearing our football gear. But anyways, that's another <laughs> And uh called into the radio, you know, I have four gang members. Wow. In a car, pulled us out, you know, a gun to our heads and we're like, We're like in Catholic school. We're like <laughs> <Yeah>. playing football. <laughs> you know, um, Man. and then he let us go. But I mean, looking back, that could have gone around. I I literally wouldn't have been here. Wow. Uh, that could yes. eas- that that and that is the other level of danger is out there. Anytime you had interactions with law enforcement mm-hmm. or those that were in the lifestyle, and they were hitting you up, literally your life was in danger. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, yeah. you carry that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, that's in your spirit and in your bones um, yeah. that you every time you step out your door, or frankly, for those that uh, and to the point about the recipe, sadly, a lot of people that go into the lifestyle they don't even have safety at home. Mm-hmm. And hence, why they seek it elsewhere. So, yeah. so again, just to kind of, at least my experience in terms of how how bad it was at that time.
3: Yeah, and even to piggyback off that, like I I think I'm glad that you said like, it is not all law enforcement. It but like with our given experiences and people who are in these communities and their given experiences, um, there there's kind of two sides of every coin. And, and uh, yeah, I I could. It's funny. I can't remember probably any high school football game I, I didn't play football but i you know i went to our high school game stuff i can't remember i couldn't tell you like any outcome or experience at the high school football game but i can i can rattle off every single time i was pulled over and like asked to get out of the car for mm-hmm. no reason like there was no reason for me to get out of the car like maybe i was like yeah. going over the speed limit a little bit but like um but yeah and and so those things affect you and you hold on to them and um, but I think for us as as christians we we uh as we mature and stuff the Lord kind of works in our hearts and and I think that allows us to have wisdom and discernment and compassion for those living caught up in the lifestyle but also the people on the other side of the coin and mm-hmm. and what um kind of like what you said like they they perceive things and and for them a lot of times perception is their reality. And so I think um as Christians we are called to you know God God is the great reconciler and like um I I think people in our broken communities need to see people who have compassion on them and like see something different than the what, what they've been um shown their whole lives yeah. and stuff. So. Subjected to, yeah. Let me just highlight a little bit more in terms
1: of like the specific proximity for you guys and growing up in in the gangs. Like what was that proximity like in your guys' situations? And then maybe also like when did you start first noticing the dynamic that surrounded you and what what was that
3: like? Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think um proximity wise, I actually think that we were somewhat blessed to grow up in neighborhood that was not a hotbed for gang violence and activity. However, what's interesting, and I think what might be, what's something that might be important to highlight for the listeners to this podcast is that despite not growing up in a hotbed, um, it was still all around us. And so, uh, mm. you know, today... We, we see, um, I don't want to use the word privileged. Um, we just see like, quote unquote, normal neighborhoods and like, oh, like, you know, this is a nice neighborhood, but just on the other side of the, you know, two streets over, you know, three streets over, whatever, it's a different story. And we could be living in these, in, in our little charmed lives, in our, in our little neighborhoods and not have eyes for what's going on just less than a mile away from us. And I mm. I mean I think our I, I think our church is a great example of that. Like we we're we're in a not necessarily a hotbed, but there are people all around us in our neighborhood who who are um dealing with the hardships of mm. of broken families and yeah. drugs and gang violence. And um and so I think I, I would say for most people in los angeles proximity is very close yeah uh, no matter where you live um and uh and you know so like i said we we spent a lot of time in venice growing up and today's venice looks a whole lot different <laughs> yeah. than it did when i was about to say yeah <laughs> when i was uh, when i was um spending most of my summers there like in the 80s and 90s uh mm. it is um yeah, it's completely different, but back then, like, you know, me and my brother and my cousins, we'd go play football on the street, and then, like, I remember one night we were playing football on the street, and all of a sudden, like, a block over we're here, pop, 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 and we're like, oh, better go inside, and, like, we used to joke, like, oh, let's, we couldn't figure out what to do, so let's go to the park and see who, play, like, who gets shot first, like, oh, no. it was just such a, it was such a, that was just a normal thing. Wow, yeah. And, uh, and, um, but. There are parts of Venice that were nice, and like you know Venice is known for like its boardwalk and the beach, and like mm-hmm. tourists go there and like, oh, you know, this is like restaurants and, and you know whatever and um but there was a whole there was a whole nother side of Venice that a lot yeah. of people ignored, that a lot of people um kind of swept under the rug that uh but it was highly prominent and um mm. yeah, yeah, and a lot's changed since then, but yeah, yeah. It, proximity is. Closer than we think, a lot of times. Yeah. And I, just to piggyback again off Jeremy,
1: since yeah, I was there with them. You were one of those kids playing, yeah. but For like sure. that. Was, no, and it, I don't think we were like we were kids, but like we weren't saying things like that to like. It wasn't like I'm making fun of. Like, it was just like that's how dangerous it was. Mm-hmm. Of like literally, like if we go to the park, there's a good chance a shoot. Like but I, even when I was over there, my brother was older, and I was a little kid still, like, my my grandma would take care of me, like, my mom asked a lot of times, and the park was literally around the corner, like, lit- it was, like, ten steps, and it was just, I remember, like, my mom would be, like, I don't want you hang out in the park, um, it, but it was just this magnitude of, like, just how violent that area
0: was, um, well, yeah, and I, what you guys share, all of yeah. you have shared about being mistaken, mm-hmm. it's, like, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Your, your involved parent would be well, and that, super. And, that, and that's how, that, if not.
3: that's how abundant it was back then in the sense that we were children and we were so desensitized mm. to it because it was so prevalent that it, it wasn't a thing to like joke around about. It Cause it's like, Oh, like this is life and, mm. and not necessary for us every day, 24 seven, but this is life in Los Angeles. And like, this is life in certain areas. And so, yeah. Yeah. Anthony, how about uh,
1: like the dynamic you grew up around, and like what was that like? And how yeah, again, you, yeah, you know, it?
2: super blessed. And in retrospect, you know, how God protected me. You know, uh, although not lavish by any extent, I would describe our my family as probably very low middle class. Hmm. My dad was always a independent business owner, but nothing too extravagant. Um, but always so provided enough for us to have our own home uh, with a little rental property in the back. So I wasn't in the projects. But I was definitely in East LA, and it was all around us. Um, mm-hmm. Literally, one of the people that we rented to was what they call a, a veterano, a mm-hmm. veteran. Mm-hmm. People that were in the lifestyle, but kind of, frankly, I don't know. I can't remember what the statistic is, but you know, once you kind of into your 40s and 50s, you've kind of graduated, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, because the you know, uh, if, you survived. If, if you survive, yeah, if past, you survive past past your even teens, yeah. uh, but you know, they had family that would come visit them, so literally, it was in our property, that Mm -hmm. we would see it, um, and everywhere around us. Kind of to your point, Jeremy, about how prevalent it was, I don't remember going to parks. Like, Mm -hmm. we didn't go to parks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It was school, and again, uh, I was blessed. I didn't go to public school. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I think my dad made a very intentional choice. For those of you that haven't met me, I'm a big guy. I stand out no matter where mm I go. and again, that really—I can't—I can't believe I—we shaved our heads. You know, I, yeah. I literally look like I just got let—you know—let yeah. out of Pelican Bay or something. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, it's yeah. just uh, my goodness. Yeah. What, what was I thinking? I wasn't. But um, for me, super blessed, and I was able to go to parochial schools. Um, and although it was there, it wasn't as prevalent mm-hmm. as opposed to um, public schools, especially if I would have gone to like Roosevelt or Garfield. And again, not to, you know, there's actually wonderful movies about amazing Mm -hmm. stories that come out of there. But frankly, those are the exceptions, not the rules. Yeah, Um, I think, but for certain key decisions that my dad made and obviously God's intervention, um, I was literally in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I know like Jeremy mentioned, where we grew up, like it wasn't, it wasn't a hotbed for gangs. There was like some small little gangs. Like we had a gang members that lived up the street from us and we would drive home when we were teenagers and they would like throw their signs at us because they didn't know who we were. And there was a little neighborhood like on the other side of the main boulevard from us. But um, they weren't. it wasn't like a hotbed. And Venice was, but I mean it was mainly two different neighborhoods in that area. And then the other gangs around here were like in other like communities or cities. But where you were at Anthony, It changed, you were like in one of those areas of LA where it changed like block to block kind of deal, right? Like each intersection was the meeting grounds of. So,
2: you know, there's these beautiful hidden areas of Los Angeles Mm -hmm. um, and one of them is City Terrace. Has some of the most, it's funny now that sometimes just out of curiosity, I'll peek at the property valleys and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't believe these homes are being (laughs) sold for this. Because back (laughs) in the day, you did not go up there Mm. unless you belonged. Mm. You know, it was that. Bad. I mean, you do not go into the projects unless you belong, mm-hmm. uh, because when you get hit up, it, your life is in danger. So, yeah. again, it's uh, looking back is just that heightened sensitivity, heightened awareness yeah. of where yeah. you're at, because you really needed to be super, super careful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, literally, would change block by block.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You referenced earlier the the kind of broken home dynamic yeah. that you saw contributing to people joining and yeah. and also that obviously. Had you not joining in those factors, what what are some things that you guys kind of noticed about maybe it's those you knew personally or just you knew of that that really pushed them towards that or drew them into that? I I, I mean I know
3: I know of people who I would say the contributing factors for some of the people that I knew were um, lack a lack of parental oversight vision um kind of just i mean as as kids slash teenagers like taking care of themselves essentially Mm -hmm. um and uh you know uh, i think we we hear that and we think oh like they you know they're having to feed themselves And i'm talking about like even something as small as like making sure that they're going to class and Mm -hmm. and not like uh you, you know like there's just things that a lot of us think are normal but aren't normal in like in in other situations and so um yeah I think lack of parental supervision and oversight and and not even just supervision and oversight but lack of parental um concern uh for for the day-to-day uh, I think was a big factor I think um yeah, I, I said it earlier, but I really do think, especially when we started getting into the 90s, um, it was sensationalized quite a bit. Um, and there was a draw to to that lifestyle in the sense that it, it gave you, it made you feel uh, powerful. It made you feel that um, you were going to gain respect um, mm-hmm. by being a part of a group um, that uh, kind of had, similar aspirations uh it gave you um protection um and again all of these things factor into um what was going on in their lives like as individuals um so yeah i I don't know that those are just some of the things off the top of my head that that come to mind
2: yeah no i would completely agree i mean i was actually thinking of my friends and none of them were in the lifestyle or in that in gangs but we were in the same neighborhoods mm-hmm. in different areas of East LA. And I was thinking right now, what was the common thread amongst our lives? And it was strong parental figures that mm-hmm. although not perfect, I mean, my yeah. best friend, his dad was sadly an alcoholic and mm-hmm. like we literally, my friend and I would go pick him up off the streets wow, wow, type wow. of thing. Yeah. Um, but even then he didn't get wrapped up because he felt a responsibility to his mom who was just you know yeah. uh, i wouldn't call an angel but you know yeah, very yeah. close to it yeah a uh, total sweetheart and and like a mother figure to me uh, mm-hmm. i lost my mom when i was young mm-hmm. um yeah definitely was that strong parental figure yeah. that even if albeit broken mm-hmm. at a minimum you felt that somebody cared about you yeah yeah even yeah. if the way they expressed it wasn't mm-hmm. ideal mm-hmm. right yeah. um more in hindsight because i i I think for me, I was so shielded in a way, which is interesting, because I was in the middle of it. I really didn't have friends that were even in gangs. Mm-hmm. Um, but more now, uh, being older, looking at the socioeconomic factors, is you have a lot of these kids, and frankly, let's let's call them what they are, kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, with not only parental supervision, but anybody to really care for them, mm-hmm. and, and then coupled that with. A major drug epidemic at the time, a crack yeah. epidemic, uh, coupled with not even social structures and institutions that were there to protect them, like the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and again, it was almost like, frankly, it's a small miracle if you didn't get caught up into it. Yeah, because it was all all the factors were there for you to get caught up.
1: Yeah, like the dr- yeah. yeah, you said drugs and community. I, I mean, even like the guns. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. You know, dropped off in the communities and. Right. Um, it, it was like and i've said this before i don't know if said in, i'm sure i said on the podcast i know i've said it in some of our equipping classes like there was this like perfect recipe of environmental factors that was and especially a lot where gangs really thrived where it was really broken in the communities so there wasn't the opportunities there wasn't the economics there wasn't all this stuff there to really help the community thrive so when you have kind of the brokenness in the in the environmental stage Then you have a personal home life, which is also broken. And so it was that word recipe, like that perfect recipe for kids to join on to something because they didn't have no one caring about them or loving them at home. Or there was a sensationalized aspect of it too. And then your community doesn't have much in terms of um, offering like alternatives. Um, And so, yeah, like you kind of just see it that perfect. Recipe of seeing how kids join this stuff, and the reality is too. Though, and I again, I've said this: like it's all over LA. It's it's in the suburbs. Like again, where me and Jeremy grew up, like it wasn't a gang hotbed. It's not known as a gang area, but like there was neighborhoods over there, small ones, and like they, it's just they just pop up everywhere, and it's usually in the parts of even like the nice communities where that little part of that suburban kind of community is slightly neglected a little bit It's a little cheaper to live over there whatever you want to say about it you know but like um yeah just i appreciate you guys sharing um some of those factors i think it's always important for listeners and all of us to understand like it's not like kids just wake up one day and say i want to be violent and go shoot up Hmm. and cause chaos it's it's a very long process building towards that. So
3: you're asking children to be, a, make adult decisions and they mm-hmm. do not have the mental or emotional capacity to discern and, um, and make, desi- just to make decisions that are um long-term in their best interest. Like they're making, you know, uh, you know on the second decisions and they're looking for people who love them and care for them and are going to give provide family provide friendship provide um the provide for the necessities that they need as and not even just physical necessities but the emotional necessities that they need as children mm-hmm. and they're not finding that in in their homes and 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 they have to find it somewhere and so uh and I've just I think I, that's become abundantly aware to me in just in my foster care journey. Like mm. these children need people who are going to take care of them and love them and help them to discern and make decisions as they get older based on, um, I mean, we believe based on scripture, but just in general based on on um, like safety and, and security and what will be best for them in their lives long term, not not like a. Where they're forced to make immediate decisions because they have nobody else to help them with that. So, yeah.
2: And it's, I it also don't want to, you know, it's, this is very complicated. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. not like one factor. And also don't want it to come off that, oh, every gang member just basically has bad parents or no mm-hmm. parents. Yeah. 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 Because we all know the stories mm-hmm. of. You have that single mom that's working yes. beyond mm-hmm. full time. And that is the way she's loving her child, yes. but yeah. she's not there. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. At this time, I mean, talk about recipes, you had civil wars in Central America and in particular El Salvador, where you have massive waves of migration. And mm-hmm. these communities like Pico Union, East Los Angeles are gateway communities. Mm-hmm. So you have, in essence, immigrants coming to a brand new country, coming into this environment that they knew nothing about, their children getting caught up. And frankly, now, that getting exported i mean that's a whole yeah. different That's probably a whole yeah, different another, podcast yeah. another, um mm-hmm. and you know the ramifications of that so mm-hmm. yeah. i just want to emphasize that you know yeah, i, I don't sure. want to say that by any extent i mean yeah f- you have a lot of parents yeah like you know even f- parents from wealthier backgrounds that their children yeah. get caught up in drugs yeah and they have yeah. no idea what to do and, mm-hmm. but yeah. at least they have some resources but it doesn't mean it fixes the situation so i just yeah. i just yeah. want to yeah. clarify that yeah. no th- th- thanks that's for sharing good.
1: that like yeah. I, I think it's important to know i think There is that like that somewhat overall picture we're kind of familiar with. But yes, there are so many parents, you know, that are that are trying very hard to provide for the kids and the circumstances, maybe some of those environmental circumstances even sometimes really just create a, a situation where it's just unfortunate, you know, and they are loving their kids in a certain way. Or you never know if a kid just lost both parents to like a freak accident. You know yeah, I mean that's the thing it, it, there's there's a lot of different contributing factors I'd say generally speaking, there is what we were talking about earlier, like but yes, there are a lot of of um
0: everybody has a different story right you know, and so well, i'm I'm you know, glad you clarified that I mean a lot of this um is like we can kind of sit back and consider okay, what was the you know what are the contributing factors, but when you're in the midst of it like, and kind of take yourself back to growing up in that environment, like, or in the relational environments. Like, what what was your perspective just of the gang?
2: That it was, they were dangerous, not to be toyed or messed with, mm. uh, to be avoided. Mm. In terms of the built environment, the neighborhood, um, you know, I say it now actually quite often, I'm incredibly proud of Growing up in East Los Angeles, mm-hmm. very hardworking people. To the you know mm-hmm. uh, first generation immigrants, um, you know mothers who are raising others' children mm-hmm. and take very long bus rides to the West Side and very nice neighborhoods to, in essence, raise children, mm-hmm. but not raising their own, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. But That's also, scary. you know, for me it was a. For me, when I when I I went to Berkeley for undergrad, went. Uh, one of the funny stories that I say is that the first time I I saw uh, or knew what Berkeley was is when I showed up mm-hmm. to go to school there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it was just so different. Mm. There wasn't as much graffiti, or it wasn't gang affiliated. Mm. Uh, things actually worked. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I remember you know going to somebody's house and it's like everything actually works in this house. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but with a sense of, yeah, this place is poor. -hmm. And we're less than. Mm. Um, So, even somebody that wasn't in the lifestyle, you definitely uh, felt um, in a way kind of abandoned Mm. that you really weren't part of uh, the city or society. I remember East Los Angeles in very close proximity to downtown. And, you know, again, some beautiful views of downtown from all over different parts of East Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I, I would remember as a kid, I would look at these beautiful gleaming buildings. It was almost like looking at the stars. And I say, you know who, I wonder who works there or what goes on in there? Mm. And lo and behold, again, through God's blessings, I was literally in those buildings when I, after <laughs> oh. I graduated from school and graduated from law school. And I'm mm. working at a fancy law firm, then like the 30th floor, Brilliant. one of those buildings. Oh, and I awesome. literally had, I mean, literally oversaw East LA from yeah. my office. Mm. I mean, talk about it. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but for me in terms of the gangs, it was danger. Mm. You know? Don't even come
0: close. No, I appreciate I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. I think that picture of you showing up at Berkeley and being like it's a different planet. Yeah. And Berkeley being Berkeley.
2: I mean, it's unique. Right, right, me, right. But but it just being yeah. almost almost feeling like, yeah, I mean, it has its issues. But I think for the first time in my life, I felt safe.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, for me, oh. like, cause I grew up in a upper middle class suburban context. Moving into the inner city like Mm. you know 21st street near central avenue and it's like it's the opposite yeah i was like whoa like Mm. this is and 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 it's it's just it's really helpful for me to hear you describe it going the the reverse
2: and rightfully so yeah i mean you should feel that way or should have felt that way right especially you didn't grow up there you don't have the connections there. You really, it is block by block. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You end up in the wrong neighborhood. Something can really Mm -hmm. bad happen.
0: Jeremy, what, what was your kind of perspective? Well, I, kind of,
3: I mean, yeah, it's Anthony's, but I think deep down on you is like, there's fear. Like I, I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to get, I mean, I didn't want to get shot at 15 years old. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm, you know, uh, uh, but, um, I think even well, so I I moved away for about, I don't know, eight years or something like that. And, um, and I remember when I come back to visit, I would always like yearn to be back because this was my home. And I would, you know, sometimes I go visit my friends out, you know, that where I had to like take the freeway. (laughs) And uh, I'd be, remember driving like on, you know, the one Oh five or the 91 or whatever. And, visiting here i would have these thoughts of like man there's so many people in this city that need the lord and like i was living in virginia at the time kind of like a the bible belt in just a completely different world and learning about ministry and i yet ministry was a very learning about ministry in virginia was a very separate thing, like ministry didn't touch down to where I knew, mm. like ministry didn't touch down to like the people that were teaching me, the people that I interacted with in Virginia had no idea mm. the hardship that ministry could be in a place like Los Angeles. And so mm. then when we, me and my wife moved back here um, and my wife, you know, did not grow up in this area either. She grew up in like suburban Georgia and um I think it's even been really cool to, um, see her willingness and openness to learn and to, um, be, uh, just be exposed to, um, the culture of Los Angeles. And, and, and part of the culture of Los Angeles is our history and like the, all all of the things we've talked about, but, um, and, and it's hard, like now, like, you know, I'm, Like you guys, Brian, you were talking about how like you guys moved to downtown and like a lot of people from our church have moved to these areas. And from somebody who grew up in like the eighties and nineties in Los Angeles, I'm like, it's still hard for me to have that disconnect of like, wait, why are you guys moving there? Exactly. Mm. Exactly.
2: I have the same reactions. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's like, (laughs) like,
3: I, 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 that's not, that was not a destination for whatever reason, uh, no matter like how affordable it was or anything. Like that just wasn't like people are, are are people are striving to get out of there, you know what I mean? And, and exactly. like exactly. Yeah. And um and so yeah, it's just it's it's weird hmm. being back after being gone for eight years. And then I've been back for eight years now, but um a lot of change a lot changed, I feel like, from the time I left to the time I came back. And uh um yeah, it's just it's uh I think one thing that has not changed for me, I think maybe I've grown in this capacity a little bit is just understanding and kinda of like what you guys talk about all the time, like the 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 idea of um all of us being image bearers of God and like um and so I think having a different perspective now than I did when I was a youth, like there, mm-hmm. there's less fear. I mean, I'm in my forties now, so um Although I still look, people tell me I still look like I'm my twenty. So maybe I, I probably would need to be careful. You sometimes, have the baby but face, yeah. but with the uh, beard. But like, it there's there's a less, you know, I'm I'm not like cruising the streets with my friends and like <laughs> trying to like be cool and like and then happen to come upon like some like that that's what that's one of the times that happened to me. Like I mm. I was in a car with my buddies and uh, when we were in high school and we were at a red light and sorry Kristen, but there's two girls like. Talking to
2: us and from <laughs> from, the, from the car. Nobody will listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> You're good.
3: From the car next to us at the red light, and uh, and so me and my friends thought we were like you know like the man like talking to the girls next to us, and all of a sudden the back window, which was t- tinted black, rolls down, and there's a guy pointing a gun at us, telling us like we better keep rolling. I'm like all right, all right, <laughs> like and I wasn't about to argue, and 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 so like I don't have that fear anymore of like oh this could happen, but I think the Lord has grown my understanding of, um, all of the different dynamics that, that, um, are part of, um, gang culture that are, are part of, um, even beyond gang culture, like, um, just so sociologically in our city, like the, the differences and, and the history and, um, but having that compassion while still, um, Yeah. Just, just having compassion and, and, and trying to understand even more like, cause I, you know, we'll never all get to that
0: perfect understanding. We're always learning and always growing. So, you know. That, I mean, you, you bring up the image of God and just, I I think what's, what we haven't had the capacity on this podcast episode to share is like, you guys have both gone through incredible transformation just over the years with Christ intervening in your lives. Um, and, and the gospel is has and is transforming you. And as you, as that that being said, like how has that re um, colored or re you know mm-hmm. redone uh, your perspective? Whether it's just of the neighborhood you grew up in, the the gang context. I mean, you you, you alluded to it a little bit, Jeremy, and that's kind of where the question comes from too. But yeah, Anthony, what do you? Have you seen yeah, in retrospect,
2: work? and actually, I, I was pondering your your last question about you know what was my perception at the time of the gangs, and yeah. I had to be fully honest and transparent. I was ashamed mm-hmm. that I was associated with a neighborhood that was perceived as dangerous mm-hmm. um, in terms of misidentification, not only in a dangerous context but at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I don't. He knew what he knew because of the movies, like Colors, mm-hmm. right? Um, I shared with him, "Oh, where are you from? Oh, East Los Angeles." And immediately, I'm sure that image came to his mind. Yeah. And I remember him talking to his mom. He said, "Oh, yeah, he's from East LA." And then over here, he's like, "No, mom, he's not wearing a headband." You know, uh, uh. you know. And uh, but I think in looking back, I I have a lot of compassion for kids. Yeah. And I didn't perceive them because you know when you're a kid, uh, I didn't see them as kids, right? Mm. But kids who are suffering. Mm. but the manifestation of that suffering sadly hurts other people too in mm-hmm. addition to themselves um, mm. and i think the lord has really softened my heart mm. in that sense and um you know I'm, I'm relatively new frankly to this church i got baptized literally almost a year ago oh no a little after over a year ago here praise down, downstairs praise the lord um and you know that's a whole other story in case you're interested. But. Um, or actually there is a podcast yeah. on that. There Yeah, There is a podcast on, on listen yeah. To that podcast yeah, yeah. If you want to listen to Anthony, uh, yeah. Anthony now story. we got, now we got a link. In yeah, the there you, show there the you go. There you go. You can, you can, you can link to it. But, yeah. uh, but in looking back also, um, and I actually do refer to this in the, in the other podcast is I've in hindsight, just God's hand mm-hmm. protecting me and guiding me. And he's always done it through people like my friends mm-hmm. who not perfect were always actually positive influences. Mm-hmm. They yeah. always saw something of encouraging me. Mm. in their own way um i remember talking to the, my best friend unfortunately passed away um uh, young but i remember i came back from cal um and we were out and about and you know at the time had way too much to drink um and i was about to start driving and he's like no no, no. you have too much to lose mm. let me drive mm. and uh just things like that that mm. god has just protected me um Maybe I did go out, go down that block, but just that day mm. I wasn't caught up in the wrong moment, wrong time. Mm. Right. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and I think in terms of, to your question right now, mostly in hindsight, mm-hmm. I, I, my heart really breaks. Mm. And for me, it gives me a perspective of, man, I have been so fortunate. Mm.
0: Yeah. God has thank, been faithful. Thank,
2: and... thank, you know, almost like why me, but yeah. thank you.
0: Mm, that's the you know that's the uh the christian yeah. kind of tune yeah, right yeah. that we sing yeah why coupled me, with a
2: healthy dose of survivors survival's guilt you know yeah. survivor mm. guilt. yeah you know interesting why yeah. me I, yeah there were so many other kids from those neighborhoods that are and what i'm what i mean by being proud of very hard-working people mm-hmm. very family oriented and i know they're this wasn't me and my just intelligence. That somehow like I'm like a beautiful mind or something because I'm not. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are a lot of kids that were incredibly intelligent that just didn't get those opportunities or mm-hmm. didn't have that one parent that was around or whatever mm-hmm. the, the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I attribute that to the good Lord mm-hmm. taking care of me mm-hmm. to this day.
1: Yeah i I really appreciate you guys sharing all that. I, it, it's it's helpful. It's just helpful. It's helpful to hear. Um, your perspective, your perspective on our city. There is this like difficult tension sometimes to balance, whether it's y- you knew people who were involved in, in the gang lifestyle or you grew up in it. I think there's a dynamic for some people to look at it and be like, gosh, I want nothing to do with it. It bothers me so much. And... In many ways, it's understood when there's been damage done to you personally or to your community. There is an aspect of you want your arms' distance from that. But I appreciate, as you guys shared, even like the honesty of, like, yeah, like we knew it was like this, but obviously the Lord has changed us in this compassion or seeing people as God's image bearers and just kind of looking at it through more of the Christ lens because. There's still going to be things that happen in those contexts in that culture that are. the immediate response will be to put the arm's distance thing back up. But trying to look through the God's lens of like, gosh, yeah, it's, I'm reminded of the brokenness. I'm reminded of the hopelessness. I'm reminded of are kids. I'm reminded of all these things. And yes, there's suffering and there's pain and they're in, they're enacting it out on other people. But God's lens is telling me to say, no, they're still image-bearer. They're still worthy of compassion, et cetera.
3: I feel that tension. I mean, even where I live, like (laughs) I still get frustrated, like just on the other side of the street from where we live, like the other side of the main street is, um, some projects and, you know, I don't need to hear fireworks being shot (laughs) off at like on, you know, it's March 25th. Like there's no, there's, (laughs) there's not a holiday to be celebrating where we shoot off fireworks for four or five hours late at night. And it's because I'm like, I have, I have a baby sleeping. Like I don't, I, you know, there, and I get frustrated and stuff, but to your point, Daniel, like, or sorry, Danny, I, we grew up calling him Daniel. Everyone else calls him Danny. <laughs> so, don't listen um, to that part, listeners. No. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, only us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but I think about Jesus uh, going into Jerusalem and overseeing Jerusalem and weeping for the city of Jerusalem and weeping for the people of his, his people who did not, he wept because they did not recognize who he was, like their savior who had come to, to rescue them. And um, you know, I I think, I think about how that applies to us. Um, You know, whatever city you live in, those are your people. And I think I have to check myself a lot of times not getting frustrated with stuff like that, where I need to like look over my people and weep for them and like Mm -hmm. have that that compassion that the Lord has for, for me, like, I'm no better in the Lord's eyes than, than the next person, including the people who are setting off fireworks like at, you know, 11 at night. And um, to have to be reminded that Jesus wept over the city and how we as believers should be emulating Christ and weeping over our city and, Mm -hmm. and loving them. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing that.
1: There's been some people on here who shared like their, Oh, you can find me here, but I don't know if you guys really even care about sharing any of that. Like,
2: share my handles. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm really not social media. Yeah. Okay, I, 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 have I have a link, I have a LinkedIn. Sure. Uh, if yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anthony Solana yeah. Jr. But there you uh, go. Yeah,
0: I have. Do you have a LinkedIn, Jeremy? I do. You do? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the kids from the kids ministry are like uh, following you on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. trying to help you help yeah. him. Help you help them get jobs. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. a it's a
2: running joke in my in my house. My like my wife will say, "Oh, this has happened." Like, how do you know that? And it's just like Facebook. I'm like, "Oh, that's right." <laughs> <laughs> that's what, so yeah. she's my yeah. she's my vehicle. Cool. To yeah. this, we'll we'll, okay. we'll
0: put your a way that people can kind of get in touch with you guys yeah. if they want yeah. to so. in the notes as well. But yeah. Yeah. thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we hope this has been a blessing to you as much as it has been for us, and we'll catch you next time. This has been an episode of the Hope for the Hood podcast by Prodigal Sons Incorporated. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to Cornerstone West Los Angeles, where we host this podcast, Adam Bond for editing, and of course, those who regularly give to support the ministry of Prodigal Sons. Thanks for liking and subscribing. We'll catch you next time right here on the Hope for the Hood podcast.